Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Every Arkansan Podcast. This week we've got my friend Larry Pillow sharing his story of how personal crisis challenged him to find his new God-given dream. Dr. Pillow, probably my father's oldest and dearest friend, yes. the the bishop or reverend of recovery, thank you for taking the time out of your vacation just to sit and chat. So why don't we just start off, tell a little bit about where you're from and kind of your, your backstory. Well, I grew up in northeast Arkansas. Uh, my father was a sharecropper. Uh, People, some people would be familiar with John Grissom's book, Painted House. That's kind of my story. In fact, I lectured in an English lit class in Conway one time, and she introduced me as a grown-up Luke. But uh, my father was also an alcoholic. I think we probably uh, called him a binge drinker. And uh, so that colored my world a whole lot. Uh, but uh, graduated from high school when I was 16, uh, like most boys my age, my biggest ambition is to make money and buy me a car. And uh, <laughs> uh, took me five years of kind of wandering around, if you will, and uh, making a lot of mistakes, living a very self-centered, sinful life, actually following down the same path of my father's life. And my three of my siblings had followed that path. And, uh, but I had a wake-up call in, uh, when I was 21. And uh, a number of things happened. Uh, one of the things happened, I decided to go to college. And so uh, five years out of high school, I was almost 22 years of age, I enrolled at the University of Arkansas and graduated from there uh, four and a half years later, work and borrow your way through cum laude. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, it was an uh, uh, experience stretched me, but... During that time, I made a, a commitment to the Lord and felt a call into the ministry. And uh, the few, first few years of my ministry, Drew, uh, I was in a campus ministry. Uh, my wife and I, we actually moved to Conway in 1969, and I've been there ever since. So I've done a number of things in Conway. But the uh, most exciting thing I've ever done is what I'm doing now. <laughs> But you went down that path, you were going to be a pastor, that, that's what everyone kind of assumes is ministry. Right. Um, and then through that, it was a, a lot of ups, a lot of downs, and I know that you changed my family's life just through that ministry. But how old were you when it was kind of like all of that kind of came crashing down and that story there? Well, uh after 30 years of marriage, uh, my wife decided she no longer wanted to be married and uh, uh, filed for divorce. And uh, uh, when the divorce was final, she remarried the next day. And it was the most painful uh, thing that ever happened to me. And I had I'd suffered some pain, but that was very painful, the loss of my family, the fragmentation of the family in it, at least. And uh, I was uh, uh, disappointed, depressed, discouraged, and desperately in need of a fresh start. 
I was fortunate uh, was senior pastor of Second Baptist Church. Had been there 17 years, and the church was very good to me. Uh, the the saying that the church is the only army that shoots its wounded was not true for me. They gave me 13 months salary, for which I was and am grateful. Gave me a little time to catch my breath. And then your dad was a dear friend already, became a closer friend. Uh, he let me come and stay at the camp where you worked, Horn Creek. And uh, during that time, uh, I, I desperately needed a fresh start and uh, gathered a group of people around me and uh, got feedback from them, people that knew me and been a part of my life. You, you, you sense this is something I should do, help other people get a fresh start. And there was a passage in uh, Luke 22. You know, we all need a proof text for what we do <laughs> and what we believe. And Luke 22, verse 31 and 32, I think it's a message translation or paraphrase. It says, uh, Jesus said to Simon, 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 Satan has requested permission to sift you like wheat. And I have prayed for you that when you come through your time of testing, which was personal failure, when you come through your time of testing, you'll turn to your companions and give them a fresh start. And with that as kind of a, uh, a foundational verse, uh, I, I gathered another group of people around me, 10 or 15 people, and we studied the scriptures on how people in the Bible got a fresh start. And uh, we asked questions like, what did God do to help them get a fresh start that only God could do? What did they do that only they could do? What did others do that only they could do? What were the obstacles to a fresh start? Uh, what, was the, uh, what were the resources? And maybe the most important question we asked, what difference did it make? For instance, we're studying Ruth's life. Well, what difference did it make that Ruth, as a widow, uh, as a foreigner, uh, chose to be loyal to her mother-in-law, go to the land of Israel as a Moabite, work out in the fields. That was her version of getting a fresh start. What difference did it make? Well, we know now, uh, in hindsight, it made all the difference in the world. What I became convinced of and am convinced of, that whether we choose to get a fresh start matters eternally. So for the last... 20 years, thereabout. That's what I've been doing is trying to help people get a fresh start. And it's evolved into what I'm doing with recovery ministry. And, I mean, and during that time, it wasn't just the disillusion of your marriage. It wasn't just the church. You also lost a son that had battled through addiction yeah. of all kinds. Yeah. Um, yeah. I uh, uh, Probably the two events that marked my life uh, circumstantially was growing up with an alcoholic father and then raising three children and one of them uh, becoming a drug addict and or an alcoholic and uh, my middle son Matt uh, died from a lethal combination of prescription drugs and alcohol when he was 28 well when he died uh, of course we grieved his death but we grieved his life more than his death. For 15 years of his life, he battled addiction. And so, again, uh, that was a very difficult experience, very painful. Uh, God used Romans 8, 18 to get me through that. 
and still does, you know, I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory which shall be revealed in us. Or to put it another way, uh, in preacher language, if you want to minimize the impact of present suffering, maximize the anticipation of future glory. And that's what I've kind of lived by. That's what's helped me uh, that's what's helped me deal with the death of my son and a lot of other things that happen in life. We all suffer losses. We all suffer. It's a matter of how we're going to respond to it. So uh, at, after my divorce, after I'd resigned the church, trying to find my way, uh, about a year later, uh, I was uh, seeking the Lord what to do and, and uh uh, oh, but let me back up just a minute. The same day that I found out not only my divorce was final, but my then ex-wife had remarried. That same day, my mother passed away. So, I mean, it was like, you know, I, I can't handle it anymore, Lord. Right. And, but at my mother's funeral, the morning of her funeral, at that time I had a habit of reading five psalms a day. So Psalm 40 was one of those psalms that was up for that day. And Psalm 40, uh, David said, uh, I waited patiently for the Lord, and the Lord heard my cry. And he turned to me and he lifted me up out of the miry pit, set my feet on solid ground, and gave me a new song to sing. And many will see and hear and put their trust in him. The Lord doesn't speak to me as often as I'd like, but that morning he spoke to me loud and clear, and here's what he said. Someday those verses, the first three verses from Psalm 40, someday those will be yours. He knew, and I guess I knew, I wasn't ready for a new song. I was still mad about what was happening to the old song. I was still upset about how am I going to deal with all this pain? Where, where, how do at 57 years of age, how do I rebuild my life? Mm -hmm. Everything's been pulled out from under me. And how do I start again? And, and how can I possibly get a new song? Well, that began the process. And uh, eight years later, I mean, I, I had worked on the Fresh Start material. I taught, you know, Matthew had passed away and things had happened. Uh, I had actually got a little church that contacted me to be their pastor, and after three requests, I finally agreed to do that. And uh, so I was building, putting my life back together. But uh, about seven, eight years later, from that morning experience at the day of my mother's funeral, when he told me, I'm on, someday I'll give that song to you, and you'll get a new song, Drew, I'm driving from Little Rock to Pine Bluff to speak in a prison about Fresh Start. And again, out of nowhere, I mean out of nowhere, God just dropped into my spirit literally a new song. And uh, I don't sing well, but the, uh, the, uh, the, the lyrics to the song, uh, he has given me a new song to sing. Hallelujah, praises to my king. He lifts me up, fills my cup. He has given me a new song to sing. Such joy I know overflows. He has given me a new song to sing. Eyes will see, ears will hear. He will give them a new song to sing. And that was the genesis 
the origin, the birth of what now is weekend ministry. And as we speak, uh, there are hundreds of people, and it's multiplying daily, that are being given a new song because of what God has birthed in my heart and life and through me and through the help of a lot of other people, including and maybe even especially your father. But I think even in weekend, when you went chasing after that dream of what God laid on your heart was building a singular recovery center. Right. Uh, yeah. and, and you went about that plan and you did it. Right. Yeah, and a little bit backstory and then flesh it out a little bit. In uh, 1992, I finished my doctor of ministry degree, and my project was a retreat for adult children of alcoholics. As a result of that, we started a support group ministry in the church, and I began to see in the early 90s, there needs to be residential rehab. So in 1995, I tried to start one, and uh, you know, hired a guy that was one month sober, and it was a disaster. I mean, we, in a month's time, we shut it down. I was too busy for one thing. But the facility closed, but the dream didn't die. Mm -hmm. and, and I guess this is a word I would say to your listeners. Don't let your dream die. Uh, uh, or one, as one book calls it, don't die in the wintertime. You know, when winter's <laughs> here, spring's come. And, you know, new birth will come. And so uh, the dream didn't die that I had in 1995. And 2008... I heard Brian Togel from John 316 Ministry speak at a meeting I was the moderator of. And as he spoke to us, the Lord spoke to me. And after he got through speaking, I stood up and said, this is what I'm going to do. <laughs> if you want to join me, uh, let's meet over here. And of course, people started asking, what are you going to do? Who's going to be the constituencies and all of that? Where are you going to get the money? And I said, I don't know. I just know this is what I'm going to do. And by that, I didn't mean this is what I'm going to do. I meant this is what God wants me to do. Mm -hmm. I know that I know that I know this is what he wants me to do. So, yeah, you're right. I had a dream of starting a facility. And from that initial commitment, eventually uh, a ministry was born called Renewal Ranch. We bought 105 acres of land. And my plan was to start the facility uh, get it stable, get a good foundation laid. And, you know, I was 67 years old at the time. And, you know, your dad and I visited a ministry up in northern Missouri when I was still trying to figure out, am I going to do this? And of course, one of my Moses excuses was, I'm too old for this, Lord. I, I, can't, I don't have the energy to do this. I don't have the gift set. So I go up and visit this guy in northern Missouri at Heartland Ministries, 17,000 acres, 100 and something residents, 50 women in a facility, 19 teenagers that lived in this big house. And the guy, I said, well, uh, and how old are you? He said, I'm 82. <laughs> so, you know, the discussion. And so we started the ranch, and my dream, my vision was to start it and get it stable, get it financially sound, and then I assumed that I would move on to something else. And we hired a guy named James Lloyd to be the director, and James asked me when we were getting started, do you want to teach all the classes? I said, James, I'm not even sure I want to teach one of the classes. I don't know that I know how to do this. And uh, so he talked me in, if you will, to teaching the class. And of course, I fell in love with it. Uh, I love teaching residents. And uh, from that, 
the, the fruit just came. I mean, we became very fruitful. And seeing people saved, lives changed, and naturally when something like that starts happening, other people take notice, they come to you. They started coming to me and asking for help. And uh, so I started helping. And uh, I didn't know at the time I'm helping, and <laughs> that's going to lead to helping and helping. And, uh, but we, uh, Renewal Ranch was and is very successful. It's impacting lives. It's making a difference and a very, uh, very dynamic, uh, fruitful ministry. But I left there in uh, January of 2017, kind of through less than desirable circumstances, but I left and uh, uh, wasn't sure what I was going to do. Some friends of mine reached out to me, the, especially the people that I'd helped start the facilities. And as soon as they found out, they said, well, come help us. So I started helping them more. And uh, long story short, uh, a... Uh, uh, we started helping more, and I woke up one day, Drew, and this is kind of the story of my life. I, I do stuff, and I, I look back and say, well, this is what's happened, and how did this happen? And then I start figuring it out, but I've already done it, you know. <laughs> and so I woke up one day, literally, and we had 10 facilities we'd help start. And my wife, uh, by this time, had remarried, and my wife, Peggy, and I had, uh, we decided we need to organize this some way or another, so we came up, initially we came up with a the, the name UCAN and the state already had somebody that, that name a nonprofit and they turned us down and so uh, we changed it to we can which is a much better name but so now we have we can which is a network of Christ-centered transformation ministries and uh, as I said earlier you know I've been blessed to be a part of some fruitful ministries I've had uh, you know, a degree of success in my life with the ministries I've done, but this is the most exciting thing I've ever done. I, I am so pumped. I believe God is, because what we're doing is not a not just a facility or uh, we're not just helping addicts, but it's a part of a movement. God is up to something, uh, restoring broken lives. Oh, man, and I, my life is an example of that. I'm still a work of process, in process, God is still restoring my life, still have uh, painful stuff I have to deal with, losses that have to be reprocessed at time. And, uh, you know, but everybody does. We all struggle. We all have losses. It's what we do with them that matters. And right, I'm blessed now that uh, we've got, uh, you know, eight or ten facilities we've helped start. We've got three or four more on the drawing board. And I think our best days are ahead. And, and what's so amazing to me is, is so much of the time, I think back to the story of Moses. There's the burning bush moment. Moses, you're going to lead my people to the promised land. Moses gets in his mind what that is. I'm going to do this. And first time he sees a guard abusing Israelite, he goes to his natural ability and takes out that guard and now he's wanted for murder and he spends 40 years in the desert running <laughs> versus doing what God had because he did it in his power. And, and your story of that dream God gave you of one facility that now probably still has 60, 70 beds. If you would have done that, that would have been 60 or 70 lives that are being changed on a regular basis and that's great. 
But God's plan was so much better because in freeing you from your plan, he brought you to the, the weekend plan, which was his, which there's now 250 more beds right. at multiple facilities right. spread around the state in communities where it's obtainable for a person in that community to get the help they need and the freedom that God wants them. Yeah. And it's all because God had a better plan than we ever have. Yes. Uh, Roy Mack is a dear brother. Uh, he's from Conway. He ministers in Warren, Ohio now. And I helped he and his uh, sweet wife start a ministry up there for women. And uh, Roy walked with me through the transition from Renewal Branch to what I'm doing now. And, and he told me as, as, as the separation was occurring and, you know, having to uh, learn again to relaunch my life, as in the words of Mel Goble. <laughs> and, uh, uh, but he said this. He said, I'm praying that this will be the best, worst thing that's ever happened to you. <laughs> and I think the death, the seeming death of a dream contains the seed for the birth of a greater dream. I didn't know that at the time. I struggled with that, still struggle with it some, because none of us like labor pains. Right. We like the baby, but we don't like the labor pains. We don't like to go through the process. What, and, and what I see now, Drew, as much as anything, you know, not only did God have to... Uh, kind of let that first dream die of a facility and, you know, being a part of that and so forth and birthing other facilities. But he had some work he needed to do in my life. You know, he had some things he needed to change. There's always some polishing and discipline he needs to do. And uh, so uh, I don't like the process, but I like the product. I think, uh, I think I'm a better person. I think I'm more mature, I think I'm less selfish, and still got a lot of work to do. But you know that's, uh, and and nobody honestly, nobody's any more surprised than I am that that what's happening through my life. I if I'm an example of anything, I'm an example of God takes broken people and restores their life for kingdom purposes for Him, because that's where we get our fulfillment. We don't get our fulfillment out of our plan and our success. We get our fulfillment and being a part of the kingdom. And when I think about the people that God has exposed me to and let me be a part of their lives, I mean, wonderfully great people, servants of the Lord, I couldn't be a part of if I wasn't doing what I'm doing. And it's one, one of the passages that always just really pushes back on me in ministries, and it's found in John, and it's the story of Jesus walking into the house of Peter. Peter's mom's in there, and, and she's sick. And yeah, Jesus, he, he reaches down and he heals her. But the real story is when it says, and then she arose again and started serving him. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's what's so exciting about ministry. It's not the healing. Right. It's seeing those people go and help others right. and serve others and, and make a world of difference. Right. Yeah, and... You know, again, contextually, uh, the Lord said the same thing to Peter later. When you come through your time of testing, turn to your companions and give them a fresh start. Then in John 21, when he restored Peter, he asked him, do you love me? And then he said, yes. Then he said, feed my sheep. 
I've still got an assignment for you. And when I see and saw the prerequisite for being restored to Christ is primarily uh, loving him. Repenting, yes. Uh, acknowledging your mistakes. You know, Peter was sorrowful about mm-hmm. denying the Lord. But that led to restoration of, of him being able to articulate his love for the Lord. So I, I'm qualified to serve the Lord because I, I love him. I want to I wanna please him. Mm-hmm. And I want to do kingdom work. And, uh, you know, again, there's been a lot of uh, uh, landmark times along the way. But uh, I think it was probably about, uh, I don't know, a couple of years ago, maybe three, I was reading Matthew Barnett's book on uh, the Dream Center, and I can't remember the name of the book. You may know. It's, He's got several. So yeah, right. And this this was basically his you know his story of how it happened. And one story in the book, uh, 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 as I recall, a lady from Phoenix had come and visited the facility, and she was impressed. She gets back home. She calls Barnett and says, "I want to, I want to give money for." 15 or 20 of those kids, teenage girls, to have a weekend. And it's just whatever you want to do with it. $500 a piece, I'll give. He does this. One of the girls that went through the weekend, they had a spa, they got to go shopping and all that stuff. And he, she said something like this to Barnett, you know, it's helped me dream again. And then she asked Barnett, what, what's your dream, Mr. Barnett? And uh, he first told her, you know, add more beds and, you know, mm-hmm. expand the ministry. Then he got to thinking about it, and he saw her a few days later and asked her uh, to ask him that question again. So she asked him again, what's your dream, Mr. Barnett? And uh, he said, my dream is to help your dream come true. Well, God spoke to me with that. What is my dream? What am I really trying to do? And by this time, I could state it succinctly. And this this is what gets me up early and keeps me up late. This is... This is what makes me willing to go to meetings. This is what makes me willing to talk to countless people to make it happen. This is what makes me willing to ask people to give money to support our ministry. That my dream is is for every child to have an opportunity to have a sober parent and for every parent to have an opportunity to have a sober child. I've lived on both sides of the fence. I know what it's like to have uh, an alcoholic father. I know what it's like to have a drug addict son. And uh, I don't want people to if I can spare them that pain or minimize that pain or shorten that pain, that's what excites me. Uh, I, I just, I, I can't contain myself hardly. Sometimes I wake up, grow, and, uh, you know, you get older, you don't sleep as long as well, but uh, sometimes I just get so wound up to, to, to go help people, you know, to figure out a way to provide more beds, better programs, better teaching, uh, better volunteers, be a better person myself, better communicator, because I know how big the need is and how great the opportunity is. This is the greatest opportunity I've ever been given in my life. Together to do kingdom work, to to produce fruit that remains, uh, because I'm 76, I'll be 77 here in a couple of months, and uh, my time is short. I wanna, I wanna lay up as many treasures as I can in heaven. Uh, and then you've gotta have that 17,000 acres in a dairy farm by the time you're 82. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so, 
one other thing, you've led a lot of different ministries. You started ministries. You've had successes and failures. For for someone else that's out there that they've got a dream, and maybe it's a recovery center, maybe it's feeding children. It doesn't matter what it is. Do you have one good piece of advice that you would just want them to know going into it? Persevere. Uh, no worthwhile dream, no eternal dream can be accomplished instantly. Persevere. Solidify the dream as best you can. Focus. Uh, one of the mistakes that many of us make is we're all over the map. Uh, focus on that dream. But persevere. Uh, don't let anything or anybody steal your dream. Uh, you probably know I'm, I like to read, and Mark Batterson's books on uh, you know, Chasing the Lion, I've devoured those because the enemy, his number one strategy for dream chasers is to steal our dream, uh, discourage us, mm -hmm. disappoint us, defeat us. And so my, my advice was persevere, don't quit, keep going. And, uh, and uh, you're going to get knocked down. You're going to fail. You're going to stumble. People are going to disappoint you. Uh, some of the people you trust the most will betray you the worst. Uh, the heartache is part of the package. Uh, but you keep your eye on the prize. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I, I bought and have read parts of uh, excerpts from the uh, Civil Rights Movement. And the title of the book, Keep Your Eye on the Prize. Here's something I've learned about dream chasers like a Martin Luther King, uh, like an Abraham Lincoln, and the great men of, of history that it didn't happen overnight. It didn't happen in a month. It didn't happen in a year. It didn't happen in a decade. And it didn't all, it didn't all happen in their lifetime. But they persevered. They kept going. When, and I don't like the saying, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. I, I think when the going gets tough, you get on your knees, you cry out to God, you seek uh, godly advice from others but you know whatever it takes you keep looking unto Jesus uh, Hebrews 12 to the author and finisher of our faith and and uh, uh, I get discouraged a lot because my main ministry is encouraging others so I know where the discouragement is coming from mm -hmm. the enemy is trying to discourage me so that I won't encourage others and uh, I surrounded myself with uh, like-minded people, strong people like your father and others that uh, keep me boosted up, you know, uh, and uh, help me in the down times. Uh, got some great friends that are part of my life that uh, I couldn't do this without them. And they helped me persevere. Great advice. So if someone is out there and they're passionate about recovery, whether that's wanting to open up a space or that's wanting to get involved with something or if they've got a loved one that's that's going through the process what's the best way to get in touch with you and we can well the best way is uh probably text me uh or email me uh my phone number is uh 501-472-3114 uh and uh texting me is a is, a, is the best way to make initial contact. Uh, my hearing loss, so uh, text is a godsend for me. 
and email uh, freshstart at conwaycorp.net, the words freshstart at conwaycorp.net, and that gets the ball rolling. And I get contacts all the time, uh, Drew. I, I get contacts from people wanting help. I get contacts from uh, people wanting to help others and everything in between. And I, I, I have boiled down the essence of what I do. Provide them hope. There's hope. There is hope over dope. And uh, that's, uh, uh, I'd love to hear from people. And I've got some good people around me that, you know, we'll, uh, we get calls from time from chaplains at jails. I'll send other people sometimes to go visit with them. And but that's the way to contact me. Great. Thank you so much. Thanks for your time and all that you've done, just not only for the recovery world, but just for myself and my family as well. Well, so. I love your family and loved you, known you all your life. So it's such a pleasure to be with you and see what God's doing in and through your life. So thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us on the Every Arkansan podcast. Let us know if there's a topic you'd like to learn more about so that we can help you chase after your God-given dream. In the meantime, you can like, subscribe, and share this on social media. Check with us next week for another inspiring story of our kids chasing their dreams.